Welcome to Bed Crime Stories Podcast. I'm your host, T. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, bed crimers. As always, I wish you the best. To anyone new here, a warm welcome. Thank you for checking out my channel. Let me just ask that after listening to or watching this video, if you learned something or enjoyed it, please do me a favor and smash that like button. Now, let's dig in. Suspect Brian Koberger, who is accused of taking the lives of four undergraduate students who attended the University of Idaho, has a new defense attorney on his team. She is Eliza Massoth, and she once attended the same school that Kaylee Gonsalves, Zana Kernodal, Ethan Chapin, and Maddie Mogan were going to. Massoth is certified to defend death penalty cases. According to her website, she's one of the top criminal defense lawyers in Idaho. One of her previous cases even appeared on America's Most Wanted. Massoth helped overturn the conviction of a man accused of attempted murder and kidnapping. The guy received four consecutive life sentences plus 50 years. Massoth, on appeal, convinced the court that the witness had mistakenly identified her client. According to Boise-based criminal defense attorney Edwina Elcox, who previously represented Lori Vallow, Massoth has a strong reputation opposing the might of the government in Idaho courts. Elcox told Fox News Digital this, She's an excellent, highly respected criminal defense attorney. I have the utmost confidence in her ability to provide Brian Koberger an outstanding defense, end quote. Adding Massoth to Koberger's defense team has come not long after Lataw County Prosecutor Bill Thompson called in backup from the Idaho Attorney General's office. You may recall Thompson just brought in two high-powered assistant attorney generals from Boise to bulk up Koberger's team. Jeff Nye, who is chief of the state's criminal law division and has handled murder cases in the past, and Ingrid Beatty, Idaho's lead deputy attorney general for special prosecutions. No one can say that Koberger doesn't have adequate representation. I find it astonishing that he can have this many public defenders representing him. He's not paying anything out of pocket for these attorneys, and yet he pretty much has a dream team when it comes to death penalty certified lawyers. I know that people facing the death penalty in Idaho are afforded all of this because of how much they have to lose their lives. But still, it sounds like if you're going to commit a crime on this scale, Idaho is not a bad place to do it. If this were in Texas, Koberger would not be in such a good situation. Let me share a bed crime story to illustrate why. We have to go back to September 30th of 1992 for this story. Around midnight, as Diana Garcia, her six-year-old son Angelo, and her boyfriend Jose Arturo Rodriguez were sleeping in their two-bedroom South Houston apartment when two armed men in ski masks kicked in the front door and made their way inside while a third waited outside with a getaway car. Little Angelo woke up to the sounds of crying and shouting. They were the sounds of Rodriguez being pistol-whipped and his mother being essayed. While all this was going down, Angelo lay on the floor crying for his mom. 
The attackers proceeded to tie up the couple and ransack the residence, eventually making off with a wallet and jewelry. After the two men left the apartment, Diana managed to untie herself and Arturo. It was then that she realized little Angelo was gone. She immediately called the police. The child remained missing for six long weeks. Tragically, his remains were found by a man who was crabbing on the south shore of Goose Creek Lake in Baytown. Angelo had to be identified through dental records and the torn Batman shorts he had been wearing when he was taken. The police believe this heinous crime was part of a drug deal gone bad, which Diana and Arturo denied at the time. The authorities later discovered that Diana and Arturo had been selling drugs out of their apartment, and one of the masked men turned out to be their drug supplier. In fact, that dealer regularly came to the apartment to deliver drugs. But that was before he got into a little misunderstanding with Diana and Arturo. Because he was masked, Diana and Arturo could not say with certainty that he was their dealer. Even though DNA evidence was found during Diana's physical examination after the attack, it sat in the Houston Police Department's crime lab for 15 years before finally being tested in 2007. The DNA then led investigators to Obel Cruz Garcia, Diana and Arturo's drug dealer. After the DNA linked the crime to Cruz Garcia, he was charged with abducting and killing six-year-old Angelo. However, he vehemently denied that he was the one who harmed Angelo. Cruz Garcia was subsequently convicted of the crime, and in July of 2013, a jury decided that he should be sentenced to death. Note that the second masked man, Avilius Barroso, is the one believed to have killed little Angelo. Another guy named Rudy Santana drove the getaway car, and as part of his plea deal, he testified that Barossa was the one who harmed Angelo. Here's what an article in the Huffington Post had to say about Cruz Garcia's trial and the quality of his defense team, and I quote, like most people who end up on death row, Cruz Garcia could not afford to hire a lawyer for the resource-intensive process of a capital trial. And Harris County, Texas, doesn't offer public defenders in death penalty cases. Instead, he was appointed a private defense lawyer named Skip Cornelius who made a living billing the county to represent more than a hundred indigent clients a year. Cornelius was paid a flat fee to represent Cruz Garcia, regardless of how much time he spent working on the case, end quote. Note that Cruz Garcia doesn't speak English, and he was adamant the whole time that he did not do in Angelo. His lawyer, Skip Cornelius, really had no monetary incentive to spend as much time as needed to provide Cruz Garcia with a solid defense. And because of his heavy caseload, it's unlikely Cornelius even had the time necessary to prepare a good defense. So unlike Moscow, Idaho, where several death penalty certified lawyers have been hired to represent Koberger at the state's expense, Harris County, Texas, didn't go out of its way to give Cruz Garcia 
a decent defense team. Now, I'm sure a lot of people hearing about what Cruz Garcia has been accused of and convicted of would say, who cares if he didn't get a decent lawyer? But in America, everyone has the right to a fair trial. So even if we see Obel Cruz Garcia and Brian Koberger as alleged monsters, they still have that right. And in capital punishment cases where defendant can be sentenced to death, those rights are so important. You don't want to send the wrong person to his or her death. What's upsetting about Cruz Garcia's situation is that, according to the Huffington Post, the state's case against Cruz Garcia had holes in it. It relied almost entirely on witnesses with ever-changing stories, and even that DNA evidence was supposedly shaky. Per the Huffington Post, the DNA evidence at most connected Cruz Garcia to the scene of the crime, but not 100% to the crime itself. As I'm reading this, I'm imagining how Koberger's lawyers are going to tackle the touch DNA found on the leather sheath. Despite the holes in the state's case and that shaky DNA evidence, Cornelius was unable to persuade jurors that Cruz Garcia was innocent of doing in Angelo. He was also not able to convince them that Garcia should not be executed. He was sentenced to death in 2013, after the jury deliberated for just one day. When Cruz Garcia appealed his conviction, his new lawyers started looking into how the previous lawyer, Cornelius, had prepared for the trial. They found out that the first time a member of his legal team visited Cruz Garcia in jail was in May 2012, more than eight months after Skip Cornelius had been appointed to the case, and Cornelius only visited his client in jail twice. Adding fuel to the fire, Cornelius had declined to hire a DNA expert to testify at trial, despite how pivotal that evidence was to the state's case. It would appear that Cornelius didn't want to spend any of his flat fee for the case, giving Cruz Garcia the best defense possible. Cruz Garcia's new lawyers also say that Skip Cornelius missed key opportunities to discredit the state's witnesses. And after Cruz Garcia was convicted, Cornelius found just three witnesses who knew his client to tell jurors why he deserved to live and not get the death penalty. Cruz Garcia's current lawyers are saying that Cornelius failed to perform the basic tasks necessary for a competent representation, and they are now asking a federal court to vacate Cruz Garcia's death penalty. Note that Harris County, Texas, where Cruz Garcia was tried, has executed more people than any other county in the United States. By the way, Cornelius has had 10 of his clients sent to death row over the years. Note that Cruz Garcia's accomplice, Avilas Barroso, was also convicted for Angelo Garcia's death. What this tells me is that even if those of us who feel that Brian Koberger is most likely guilty of the crime are surprised and even a tad upset at how many lawyers have been hired to represent him, we have to put those upsets aside and realize that every defendant possibly facing the death penalty, whether rich or poor, whether 
guilty seeming or not, has a right to the best defense team possible. And in the end, if Brian Koberger is convicted and he appeals his conviction, it will be all the more important to be able to show that a skilled defense team represented him and he was given a fair trial. It would be horrible for the families if he were to be convicted, but then have his conviction overturned on appeal. Until the next time on Bed Crime Stories, do me a favor, smash that like button, subscribe to the channel, and I'll see you next time.